only there is no one like you there is none beside you open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me Amen. All right, we're going to continue our uh, walk through the book of Acts, and we're going to look at Acts 16 today. If you uh, could grab a Bible, um, if you don't have a Bible sitting in front of you, I'm sure you can find one at home, so look around or send your kids to look around for a Bible and grab one and turn it and open it up to Acts 16. If you can't find a Bible and you're desperate search for one right now, it is printed in the uh, PDF that was sent out of the order of worship, and you can follow along there. But we're going to look at Acts 16, verses 20 to 34 this morning. Last week, we looked at Acts 15, and we saw how uh, this council in Jerusalem came together, the leaders in Jerusalem and the church in Jerusalem, to answer this question. As more and more people were coming to know Jesus, there were Jewish Christians who were who are saying, well, in, in order to be saved, you have to believe in Jesus, but you also have to become Jewish. You have to be circumcised. You have to follow all the laws of Moses. And, and they were saying you have to... What, what, they, they raised the question, you know, what is required in order to be saved, in order to know God and to be forgiven and to have life? And the, the council in Jerusalem said clearly, they said, it is by grace we are saved through Jesus Christ. It, it's by what Jesus has done for us We do not earn it. We cannot earn it. We don't work for it. No matter what we do, it's not what we do that saves us, that brings us into a relationship with God, that fixes our relationship with God. It's what Jesus has done and given to us. And we need to continually remind ourselves of that. Every day of our lives, that is is central to what it means to, to live life as a Christian. And, and after, they, after they, uh, they decide this question and, and they, they send Paul and, and Barnabas, they, they send them back out, they go back out on their missionary journeys now in, in Acts 16. And there's a disagreement between Barnabas and Paul and so they split up and they each take different people and Paul takes Silas and continues telling people about Jesus and, and he travels north into Syria and then over into Turkey and then, and then he continues going further and further west and, uh, and he ends up in a city called Philippi in chapter 16. Now, Philippi is, is basically in what's northern, kind of northern Greece right now. And, uh, and, and it's a Roman colony at the time. It's a leading city in the, the region at the time. And, and so Paul goes around in Philippi, and he's, he's telling people the good news about who Jesus is and how to have life, and how to know God, the fact that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, and people are coming to know him, people are coming to follow him. But what happens while he's there is uh, there's a, a slave girl that begins following him around. Now, the slave girl has, it says, has the spirit of divination. She, she's able to tell people's fortunes, and so she, she makes money for her masters by telling people people's fortunes. And she starts following Paul around and, and, and creating kind of a, a ruckus and harassing him. She's, she's saying some true things. The spirit is speaking through her uh, and, and saying that, that these guys are, 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 are messengers of, of the most high God and, and telling people the way of salvation. But, but she's just really kind of distracting maybe people from what Paul is trying to, to communicate and preventing him from communicating to people about who Jesus is. And so eventually Paul turns to her and he casts the spirit out of her. 
He cast the spirit out of this slave girl, which creates a problem for her masters because her masters were depending on her (laughs) to make money. And now they can no longer do that because she doesn't have the spirit that's able to to kind of tell people's fortunes. And, And so her masters are angry with Paul and Silas and they drag Paul and Silas before the authorities before the magistrates. And that's where we're going to pick up the story here in Acts 16, verse 20. So listen to God's word as I read. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they're disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and his family, Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would help us right now to to listen to you. There may be distractions in uh, in our home right now. Um, Father, we pray that that your spirit would help us to, um, to fasten our hearts onto your truth, onto what you want to say. Father, we pray that your spirit would open our eyes to see what you want us to see here. We pray that your spirit would convict us, that your spirit would strengthen and encourage us, that your spirit would change us, that every single person who is, who is joining in worship right now and, and watching, that we would be changed. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the walls are closing in. Have you been feeling that this past week? I've been feeling that this past week. The walls are closing in. I mean, we have a, we have a, a pretty, pretty big house, but there are a lot of us in the house, and it feels like, I feel like I'm in one of those movies where the hero like, walks into this room and then trips a switch, and then the walls start to close in. It's like you know, it's a trap, and the ceiling starts to get lower and lower, and all the stuff in the room gets like, crammed up together, and they're like, unable to move. Less and less, they're trapped, confined. They have nowhere to go. That's kind of how I've been feeling this past week in our house. 
I mean, there's eight of us in the house. You can't go anywhere without tripping over somebody or stepping on something that somebody's left around. Uh, several of us are trying to actually work from home. We're, we're you know, having meetings on the computer. And you know, Titus came in the other night. He's like, I have nowhere to go. I, can't, I don't know where to go to have a meeting with somebody. Because you can't get away from the noise. You can't get away from the, the, just the, the craziness and, and, and everybody. You can't get away. It's, it's, we're feeling trapped. The walls are closing in. I'm guessing that some of you are feeling that way as well. The walls are closing in. We're trapped. We're confined. And, and, and this is, in a sense, uh, we might be able to relate a little bit to Paul and Silas here as they're arrested and they're beaten and then they're put in this cell and they are confined. And, and, and the, the, whole, the whole mission was for them to be going out and traveling around and telling people about this amazing news of who Jesus is, and yet now they've been confined to this little space. They've been confined. They, they, they've been beaten. They've been thrown into prison, not just the regular rooms, but into the inner prison because the, the jailer is told to keep them very safe, Right? And so he's like, I'm not messing around with these guys. I'm putting them in the, in, you know, the center, the, the, the most isolated place. And he puts their feet in the stocks. And so not only are they, are they in this confined space, but they probably can't even move. Their, their feet are fastened. They've been beaten, so they probably can't even lay down because that would be too painful. So they, they have to just sit there. They have to just sit there and not even move. The walls, I'm sure, they, they were physically had closed in on them. But I, I think that maybe metaphorically that, that they felt like the, the walls were closing in on their hearts as well. They might have been tempted to be discouraged, to be frustrated, maybe to be pessimistic, maybe to, to, to have like a little bit of hopelessness creep in. But this is one of the things I love about this passage. It's one of my favorite chapters in the book of Acts is, is, is you see this amazing scene of Paul and Silas um, who, who are acting completely um, not consistent with what their circumstance, circumstances seem to show them. You know? They're praying and they're singing. Right? It's an amazing scene that even though the walls have been closing in around them, they are able to remember that there are several things that are not contained, not confined not able to be stopped or chained. And that's what I, I, I hope to remind us of this morning. For those of us who are, are feeling con confined in our homes, maybe those of you who are, are working in, 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 the, in, in hospitals right now, where you're feeling very confined and even trapped maybe, as you try to care for people and help people, what are some things that this passage shows us that, that are not able to be confined that we need to fix our hearts on, that we need to give our time to and our energy to? Well, the first thing that I see here is prayer, right? They can confine Paul and Silas. They can, can, they can put them in jail. They can put their, their feet in the stocks, but they cannot stop them from praying. They cannot stop them from praying. No matter what happens in life, prayer is something that we can always continue to do. We can always do it. I, I, one of our, our little kids, their mind was blown the other day because we, we, we generally pr pray about different things. Uh, every, every night at, at bedtime, everybody, we, we go around and we, we each pray and, and thank God for things. And, and uh, we pray at different times when different things happen in our lives. And, and one time I was talking with them and I was like, you know, you don't have to pray out loud. You can just pray in your head. And they're like, what? 
I, I don't have to talk to pray. Like we, we, can, we can pray no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing. Even if our mouths are gagged, we can pray. Nothing can stop us from praying. It's one of the few things that we cannot be stopped from doing. Actually, the only thing that stops us from praying, from talking to God, from asking God for things, is the callousness of our own hearts. That's really the only thing that stops us. If it weren't for our preoccupation with ourselves, if it weren't for our tendency to be busy talking to ourselves, complaining or, 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 or talking to ourselves in, in bitterness or, or furiously talking to ourselves, trying to, to calculate how I'm going to do something, we would pray probably a lot more often. In fact, I think that maybe the fact that we are all confined physically in our homes um, and, and we're confined in a lot of ways right now and when we're rendered a lot less productive, I mean, because that's what I feel like a lot of times I'm, because of this being confined, I mean, I'm like, I can't get the things done that I want to get done. I'm helpless in a lot of ways to be as productive as I should be. But the reality is, is that we are most productive when we're praying. I don't know if we're ever more productive than when we are talking to God and asking him for his help and his wisdom, asking him to do things and work in our lives. That is the most productive thing we could possibly be doing because God is the one who can do all things. There is nothing that stops him. He does whatever he wants. And so to, to talk to him and to ask him to work is the most productive thing we can do. And so, so maybe this is, this is actually a good thing that we've been confined and, and kind of moved to a more helpless position in our lives because it, 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 it puts us in a position to see that, that, that prayer is significant and important and something that maybe I should be spending more time doing. That when I'm praying, I'm actually more productive and powerful than when I'm scurrying around trying to do a bunch of other stuff. Maybe, I don't know if this is a very good illustration, but, but in the first Star Wars movie, you know, when Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader are dueling, they're, they're fighting with their lightsabers, and uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi eventually says, strike me down, Darth, and I'll become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. And I'm watching that as a little kid. I'm like, how is that possible? He's going to be dead. He's going to be helpless. But in a very real sense, I think when we are rendered helpless and we are confined and we are limited in our ability to do all the things that we want to do, it can put us in a place where we're more powerful than we could have ever imagined because we begin talking to God. We begin asking him what he wants. We begin asking him what he wants to do. And so one thing that we cannot be stopped from doing is praying right now. Guess what? You can pray as much as you want. And God encourages you to pray, to talk to him, to cry out to him, no matter how you're feeling, to share with him how you're feeling and to, and to, and to ask him for help in the midst of all the stuff that you're struggling with right now. Because I know people are struggling with all sorts of things they, they weren't struggling with a couple weeks ago. I want to encourage you. I, one thing that we're doing as a church, we're, we're trying to pray on Mondays. And I want, I want to invite you to join us. There's, there's a couple links in the bulletin where you can, you can join us for prayer at 12 o'clock tomorrow. Or we're going to change the time. Instead of 5.30, we're going to pray at 7.30 tomorrow night. Join us on Zoom and, and pray with us. Even if you're not going to pray out loud, just join us so that we can see your face and, we can, and, we can, and you can pray with us. It would be great if we as a church could see 
the significance and the power of prayer in a new way as we're separated and rendered helpless in a lot of ways. So the prayers of God's people are the first thing that cannot be stopped. They cannot be contained. The second thing is the praise of God's people. Praise, praise of God's people. And this is what makes this story so memorable for me is as I, when I remember reading it as a kid or hearing it in Sunday school. This is the thing that, that always I was like so amazed by because here you have Paul and Silas and, and they have absolutely no reason to be singing right now. Nothing is going the way that they probably would have picked for it to go. They have suffered. They are in pain. They have been beaten. They are chained and locked up when they want to be out there talking to people, sharing the good news of who Jesus is with people. And they're they're confined. And they're prevented from doing that. Like, nothing is going right here. And yet, what are they doing? They're singing. They're singing hymns to God. Verse 25, right? It doesn't seem to fit. It doesn't seem to fit because as I think about my life, when I think about what are the times that I want to sing to God, what are the times that I want to praise God, I totally, totally connect praise of God with things that benefit me and things that benefit me only. When things are going well for me, when 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 there's a sunny day, I want to praise God. When I am healthy, I want to praise God. When I've experienced some kind of victory, I want to praise God. And so it's hard for me to, to kind of connect this idea when things are, are, have totally gone wrong, it looks like, for Paul and Silas, and yet here they are praising God. And why is that? It's, it's because, you know what, whether things are going good or bad, sunny, rainy, health, sickness, God's worth doesn't change. He is worthy of our praise, no matter what is going on in our lives. And so every moment of every day, no matter how things are going, it's an opportunity to praise him, to sing to him if you're a singer, even if you're not, to tell him how great he is, to meditate on how great he is, to meditate on the fact that he is holy and righteous and perfect, and wise, and merciful, and loving. None of those things changes, no matter how things are going in our lives. And so every moment is an opportunity to praise him. Paul and Silas affirm the unshakable, unchangeable glory of God by praising him in pain, and in darkness, and in uncertainty. And that is what we have an opportunity to do now, don't we? as we are confined, uh, as we, some of us are, 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 are facing fear and discouragement about how our lives are going or how the world is going. Um, financial obstacles and difficulties that we are thinking about and dealing with now or thinking about we may have to deal with in the future. No matter what is going on in our lives, God invites us and calls us to respond to him by singing and worshiping him and praising him, meditating on his greatness. And in fact, in my experience, one of the most stabilizing and joy-producing things that I've ever done in my life is to praise God, no matter how things are going in my life. When we are focusing on the greatness of God, on his beauty, 
on his power and greatness, it's, it's then that, that we experience a peace that we don't otherwise. And so every moment is an opportunity to praise, and there's nothing that, can, there's nothing that should stop us from doing that. Nothing. Third, nothing can contain the power of God. And that should seem obvious to us as we look at this passage. If you guys remember when we look back at Acts 12, when Peter was in prison, we see a lot of similarities. Peter was, was chained, and, and God rescues him from prison, right? The chains fall off, the doors open up, and something very similar happens now. Something supernatural happens now. And it's clear, God is at, is, is, his power is at work. God is doing something that they are incapable of doing for themselves. They are helpless, and God takes their chains off. They, they are unable to move and escape, and God opens the doors. They fly open. One thing you cannot ignore here is the blatant, obvious display of God's power. As we are, are confined to our homes and our lives right now, as, as we're confined in the tight quarters of our family, you know, I think it, for me it, it gets tempting to think, well, life has just stopped. I'm just in a holding pattern. I have to wait until we can all get back out into the world again in order for God to start doing things, in order for, for things to start happening in my life and the lives of the people around me, to be able to see maybe God's power again. But the reality is, what God shows us is that God's power and presence invades this small space of Paul and Silas, and in the same way, it can invade uh, the small spaces of our lives as well. In the way that he uses you, in a conversation that you might have with somebody else. In the way that he reshapes our hearts during this time, as many of us feel kind of trapped and limited. I mean, that is a miracle in and of itself for God to change us. And that might be the thing that God is doing with his church right now, is changing us, making us people who are more patient and trusting of him, no matter what comes. God's power is not waiting outside your door right now. God's power is here. Just as we read in Psalm 139 earlier, you know, we cannot go anywhere to get away from the presence and power of God. It's kind of like uh, the, uh, the um, a few years ago I went on a, a trip to Appalachia, a mission trip to Appalachia with our group from our church and and I remember hearing some guys who knew what they were talking about, talking about like this, this water damage that, that, that was going on to this, this home that we were trying to repair. And they were talking about how water is, is, is so, um, so like insidious, the, 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 the way that you can try to stop water one way, but then it just keeps coming. It never stops. You, know? you can't really keep it. It just finds another way in, and, and, and you always have to like be aware of it. In the same way, God's power does not stop. There's no place in our lives that, that, that it cannot break into. And so the, the power of God is not stopped by our, confine, by our, by our confinement. And, and lastly, we see actually one of, some of God's most beautiful work right here in the way that God displays his power as, as joy is proclaimed, the proclamation of joy. Paul and Silas have may, may have been put in prison and, and, and their message, it looks like maybe their message has been, been limited from being proclaimed, Right? But we end up seeing that the proclamation of the life-changing news of Jesus is, is just as real and effective 
while they're stuck in prison, while their feet are in stocks. Um, as you go down, when the jailer comes in, it's amazing as, as he sees the doors open and everything and he panics and then he realizes everybody's there and then and how does he respond? What does he say? He says, sirs, verse 30, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? I mean, Paul and, and Silas have been trying to go out there and convince everybody what they need to do to be saved, to, to convince everybody of the reality of Jesus. And here they have a guy who runs into their room and says, what must I do to be saved? He's asking the question. But you know what I, I, I believe very strongly is that that, that that question is a question that everyone is asking all the time. You may not realize you're asking it, but every single one of us is asking that question. That question, kind of like the water that always finds its way in, is always asking itself in our hearts. We may not be thinking of those exact words in our mind, what must I do to be saved as we live our lives, but, but every single one of us is, is, is struggling to answer the question, you know, what must I do to have significance and meaning and joy? What must I do to have peace in the midst of all of this anxiety that's, that's crowding in on me? What must I do to, to, to have a life that is significant? What must I do to feel real love, to feel like I'm really truly loved and cared for? What must I do to feel like I'm not alone? All of those questions are, are, come under this, this main big question. That's, what, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to, to be saved by God, to, to know what it is to really live? in God's presence, and to be loved by him, and to walk with him in life, and to trust him, and to know that he cares about me, and that he's working in all things for my good. What must I do to experience that? And every single person alive, I believe this strongly, is asking this question. What must I do to be saved? And I would even guess that there are some people who are watching right now who are asking that question. The good news, if you're willing to listen, is that Paul answers that question, right? He answers it. He, he says it clearly. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. We're all asking that question. Paul gives us the answer. God gives us the answer. It is wrapped up in the person of Jesus. It's wrapped up in, in all that he is, all that he has done the perfect life that he lived, the death that he died on the cross to pay for my sin and his resurrection from the dead and the fact that he lives now ruling over all things. What must I do to be saved? I need to trust him and know that because of Jesus that God loves me. And, and, it, and it's a beautiful thing here. The, the, the jailer comes in and says, what must I do to be saved? But I, I, I would remind you, everybody's asking that question. Even the other guys in the prison, I think, are asking that question. And you see that because of what they're doing in verse 25. Again, it, it talks about how Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God. What does it say the rest of the prisoners are doing? The prisoners were listening to them. Um, again, the, the confinement doesn't stop the proclamation of joy. Paul and Silas aren't trying to, to, to preach a sermon to these other prisoners in jail with them. All they're doing is interacting with God. They're praying to God. They're praising God. They're singing to God. And yet these other prisoners are listening intently. They're paying attention. 
they've noticed something different about Paul and Silas. Something that, that maybe answers this question. Where can I get a joy that, that overrides my circumstances? Where can I get a joy like the joy that these guys have? And that, that's, that's why it's such a beautiful thing as, as you continue reading this passage. And, and the jailer comes in. After the, after the doors are open, the jailer comes in and, and he's, he sees that the prison doors are open. And what does he assume? He assumes that all the other prisoners have left, that they've all escaped. I mean, that's what any normal prisoner in their right mind would do. When the doors open, they would leave because that's where joy is found. Joy is found in freedom, physical freedom. But they don't leave, do they? Paul says, no, we're all here. We're all here. Don't harm yourself in verse 28. Why didn't those guys leave? Why didn't they leave? I think they didn't leave because they didn't want to leave and miss out on hearing more about where this joy comes from. They wanted to stay as close as they could to Paul and Silas because Paul and Silas were, were, were talking about and exhibiting a joy and a peace that they desperately wanted for themselves, and maybe that they'd already found in listening to them. The people and the prisoners in the, in the, in the, in the jail maybe were, had, had already been transformed and had come to believe in Jesus themselves. There's nothing that can stop God's proclamation of joy. They had experienced it themselves. They experienced a, a joy that, that was greater than, than just physical freedom. And they all wanted to stay there. And it's the same joy that the, that the jailer finds as he comes to believe, as he comes to trust in Jesus. And, and, and in the, at the very end, it says he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. This is where joy is found. It's found in Jesus. As you, as you struggle, and I know that, that there are some of you who are struggling, because I know I'm struggling. I'm struggling to, to, to continue holding on to joy right now. And I know it's going to continue to just get harder as this goes on longer and longer to hold on to joy. Where is it found? I need to continue to continually come back to Jesus Christ, the one who is, has given himself to set me free. The movie Just Mercy came out uh, not that long ago, and it's based on a true story of a man named Walter McMillan who lived down in Alabama, a black man who lived down in Alabama and, and was arrested for the murder of a young girl. And even though there was like hardly any evidence, the, the, the majority of the evidence pointed to his innocence, they arrested him because he looked like a guy who could do something like this, and they immediately put him on death row. And, and as you watch that movie, you see his, his desperation. His, well, it's not even desperation. He had given up as he was in this small cell. He had given up hoping. He had given up on joy. He had given up on having any sort of peace or life. He was absolutely confined. But what happens, what the, the, the movie is about is, is about this, this other man named Brian Stevenson who, who, who moves to Alabama after graduating from Harvard. And he devotes his life to trying to, to, to work on behalf of, of people on death row who have been wrongfully accused. And so even though Walter McMillan is confined and can do nothing about his situation, and all he can do is wait for them to set a date for his execution, there's this man 
who is dedicated and, 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 and zealous to prove his innocence. And he's working on the outside. And he, and, and he ends up setting him free. This is what we not need to constantly remember as, as we particularly, as, as every single one of us is, is living in a prison of our own sin. Because we've lived our lives in opposition to God. We may not realize that, but we've been living our lives according to our own terms. And because of that, we've been separated from God. And, 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 and it's, it's driven us into a, what we deserve as, as, a, as a cell of isolation away from the author of life and joy, from God himself. And yet he sent his son to be the one who works on the outside for us, who even was willing to give his life for us, to set us free, so that we might know that God is with us right now. No matter how much the circumstances of life feel like they are closing in on me, if I have received the gift of Jesus, that gift that I talked about at the very beginning, the grace of Jesus Christ, then I can know that God is with me, that he, he is working for me, and I, can, and I can pray to him, and I can sing to him, I can praise him, and I can look for opportunities that he wants to use right now to proclaim the message of joy in the lives of the people around me. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us um, today to to continue thinking about this passage, Paul and Silas, confined as they were, to think about the hope that that offers us, the way that you worked in their lives, the way that we, they responded to you, to, to, to think about the hope that that offers us in, in the, the very confining circumstances that we find ourselves in right now. Father, we pray that you would help us to trust you, to believe in you, to know that you are real, and to know that joy is found in you and you alone. Father, we thank you for your grace. We pray that you would help us to sing of your greatness now. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken the life. Oh, Jesus, our Savior. Your name lifted high, oh God, you have done great things.